You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, and I'm joined on the show this week yet again by Doug Moore. For those of you who hopefully didn't miss last week's show, but back again for another week and uh, Doug has joined us as our new co-host here on OTI so Doug how's things going since uh, we talked last week uh good pretty eventful I uh, I graduated college oh, nice um, one. yeah <laughs> um so that was over the weekend and um had a day off yesterday from work uh, but otherwise a uh, pretty eventful or you know just a week at work and uh you know, here we are again talking some fancy football. What about you? Yeah, well, not as not as eventful as yourself. Obviously, the listeners know that I, I've come back from Australia, so I'm back in Ireland. I'm trying to reacclimatize. Uh, one of my days was pretty much spent uh, sleeping for maybe 16 hours solid to, to try and get back from uh, the jet lag. I think I've pretty much, uh, you know, kind of renegotiated myself back into this time zone. But we'll see. Um, you know, hopefully, I don't fall asleep during this show. But just uh, qu- quick again, congratulations on the uh, the gradu- uh, graduation. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, so obviously we'll get into what the listeners want to hear about. They want to hear about the NFL, the news, what has been going on uh, in the last few days. We're going to start off before we get into the fantasy football, Super Bowl bids, uh, Atlanta fans, uh, people down in Miami, people in LA. We all expected LA to get a Super Bowl for the upcoming seasons. But the three of those, uh, was there any surprises to you as to how they were dished out? I know a lot of people were hoping New Orleans, which is a, you know, a fan-favorite Super Bowl destination, might get another one coming up. But maybe they're still being uh, held accountable for the, the lights going out a couple of years back. Right, yeah, with the um, the Ravens and the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, but but I think, and I've seen this a couple times today, uh, where basically the, the mantra of all this is either you build a new stadium or make massive yep. improvements or you're not going to get a Super Bowl. 100%. And that's, you know, unfortunately how it goes. Not saying I agree with it, uh, but, you know, that's just, you know, it's out of our hands, unfortunately. I don't think we're paid enough to, uh, to make that decision. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, exactly. yeah, I mean, Los Angeles – like you said, not a surprise at all. Uh, Miami, obviously not a surprise. They're making a new stadium as we speak. Um, and, uh, you know, Los Angeles again. Um, and then, um, you know, Atlanta's making some additions as well. So these are all teams or these are all stadiums that are putting massive amounts of money. And I think the goal is to make the most money as possible. So yeah. I think one way to do that is obviously host the Super Bowl where you know you're going to sell out every year. You're going to get massive ticket sales and everything else. So, um, not not surprising, but unfortunately, that's just that's how it goes. On even if we don't agree with it. Yeah, well, you know, LA they've going to be they're going to be building a completely new stadium for the franchise. Going in there with the Rams, you mentioned uh, Atlanta. They're building a new stadium, and the Dolphins have pushed uh, four hundred million into their stadium as well. So, you know, <laughs> this will all lead to uh, if Oakland Raiders uh, want to get a <laughs> Super Bowl in the near future, they need to upgrade that Coliseum. We'll see what happens with them. Next up, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's bounced back into a bit of shape over the last couple of days. We talked about him on last week's show and I have stated my concern a number of times coming back from the uh, the knee injury but he did appear at OTAs this week and uh, doing some individual work on the side which you know I didn't think uh, at this point in time he would have been stepping onto the field so uh, definitely for Le'Veon Bell owners and prospective owners going and redraft this year uh, has to be a positive sign. Yeah definitely I, I would say that it's definitely an encouraging sign obviously he had a major knee injury towards MCL um, last season I wasn't so much concerned about this knee injury. I'm okay. more concerned about, unfortunately, 
what's he gonna do? What's he gonna have to deal with in 2016? Because he gets the ball so much. He's a feature back when he's healthy, and I'm just concerned. You know, he's he's gotten injured several times. We saw him have a knee injury the year before, and then we had a knee injury this year or this past season. I'm just curious. He's another year older. He's coming off another major injury. He's expected to get a big workload again, and he's a great fantasy player. He's a great football player. But my concern is what injuries is he going to deal with next? What type of ailments is he going to deal with? I don't think he can go a whole season without being healthy. Do I think he can go a whole season playing? Maybe. But he's going to be dealing with injuries, and it's going to be interesting to see the severity of these injuries and also you know, just how many he deals with it and, and you know, on his week-to-week basis, if he's going to play or not, just because I think, you know, just from overall him playing a ton and his injury history and just the nature of the position, he's going to be dealing with something or more than something. And um, I'm just concerned if he's going to break down again. And, and obviously these these injuries in the past, uh, tough luck, but uh, it, it just comes with the nature of the job. Yeah, exactly. Playing the running back position, so physical and so many of these injuries. But you, you have to say when you look at Le'Veon Bell over the last couple of years, he has been unfortunate with the injuries, but he has that track record of of, uh, getting them as well unfortunately and I was listening to a number of different footballguys.com podcasts uh, these last couple of weeks and you know they have some great information on there when they were talking about Le'Veon Bell and they were talking about the fact that when he came into the league the weight he was he cut down weight similar to we're talking about Eddie Lacy this year and when you drop that weight sometimes your body doesn't fully uh, you know adjust to that and he's picked up those injuries so maybe the difference in his uh, body type over the last couple of years may have in some way contributed to those injuries but I was uh, happy to see him back out for OTAs and hopefully that gives him a long uh, pre-season to get himself ready for the 2016 season. Next up uh, Tyler Eifert obviously at the end of the Pro Bowl where we were all watching the Pro Bowl <laughs> all the way back uh, at the end of last season uh, I'll be the first to admit that uh, I wasn't watching at the time, but he left the Pro Bowl in a walking boot, and the injury hasn't 100% cleared up yet. Uh, rumors going around, and it appears that he is going to have ankle surgery this week. So, you know, he's a player that I put a, a lot of stock in in Dynasty, and he's uh, one of my top tight ends for the upcoming season. Just I'll let you go first with your seasonal outlook for him. He's expected to be on the PUP list for the start of training camp. Should be back for week one, all things considered, but you know, with setbacks and things of that nature, um, it could be worrying. What's your season outlook for him? I expect I expected a huge, huge role for him moving forward with the uh, you know the movement of the wide receivers there, and you really have just AJ Green um, as a as a veteran player. But uh, Tyler Eifert for the twenty sixteen season. Your thoughts, Doug? Yeah, no, this is so obviously a big turn of events. Um, you know, dealt with this this ankle injury. Uh, you know, from the Pro Bowl, and now finally deciding to have uh, yeah. surgery after you know deal trying to rehab it for months. Um, we've seen reports he could be out three months. He could be in danger of missing week one. Um, and and obviously you brought up a good point. They lost their wide receivers. They yeah. not their major ones, but they lost Marvin Jones. They lost Mohamed Sanu. Both their number two and number three receivers, and they only brought in um, uh, Tyler Boyd. You know, and, and, you know, he's more of a slot receiver than anything. So, if anything, I think we could see more Tyler Eifert when he's on the field this year. But the problem is, is obviously this this ankle, uh, you know, surgery came, you know, out of, out of nowhere, really, after, you know, not hearing anything all offseason. But someone brought up a good point today. I can't remember who off the top of my head, but I, want, I wish I could give them credit. Um, I'd rather, and I agree with them, they said I'd rather be... Um, I'd rather deal with Eifert getting a cleanup in his ankle and that sort of that danger or that risk than Jordan can uh, Jordan I'm sorry Jordan Reed with his five concussions yeah. and the next one taking him however long um, 
because both of them are really good tight ends. And I think, arguably speaking, um, Eifert, I think, could be the number two tight end in fantasy this year uh, because I don't think there's a clear guy right now behind Gronk. And I think Eifert has the potential to to do that just simply because he could be getting more volume and, um, you know, just overall what we saw from him last year. So uh, if everything goes according to plan, I, I'll still, you know, draft him as I normally would if I know he's only going to miss one or two games because with him, it's almost bound to be expected anyway. He, he's dealt with injuries a long time now. Yeah. So as long as they don't rush him and maybe he misses two games for the sake of playing the, the other 14 it's not going to change much on how I feel about him. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, obviously, he scored 13 touchdowns last season, so if you're getting that production, as you mentioned, he's going to be up there in that top three or four tight ends. And I agree with you. As I said, I put a lot of stock into him in Dynasty. Picked him up in a number of leagues, even this offseason, where I had to pay quite a high price. So this news uh, was very, very concerning to me. But when you look at uh, his career as well, one of the main knocks on him, like you said, with Jordan Reed, who has missed a number of games, a lot of games, in fact, throughout his career and his young career. If you look at Eifert, uh, 25 years old now, but he's missed uh, 15 games in the 2014 season, missed three games last year. So he did make a, a big, a monster step forward last year, and I was hoping for another step forward this year, but we'll see how it goes. And I guess uh, I think what you said is correct. If you're looking at an ankle cleanup versus a history of five concussions, uh, I think I would be with you there, and I would go with the uh, the ankle cleanup. So we'll see, hopefully... Tyler Eifert owners like myself out there will see him back for week one of the season. Another just note on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, schedule to work out Dwight Freeney this week. Uh, the veteran pass rusher obviously could bring a lot to any defense I really think around the league. He's getting older, but if you put him in that situ- situational role, you know, just get him in on passing situations, third downs, etc. I think he still could have a big role to play uh, in many defensive schemes around the league. I had seen him linked with the New England Patriots over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think the Bengals would be right to have a long look at him. Your thoughts uh, just quickly on Dwight Freeney. I know we look at mostly offensive side of the ball on this podcast, but it's always good to just keep an eye uh, on everything in general. Yeah, I, I think in a situational role, he fits pretty well. He had eight sacks last season in 11 yeah. games. Yeah. Um, he's obviously not the player that he used to be when he was with the Colts, but I think if you put him in a situation with Carlos Dunlap, you know, that, that Bengals defense I still think is pretty dangerous. Yeah. Uh, they brought back really anybody who was a free agent. I think they still made some upgrades. Um, so I like this if he does get signed by them because I think if he can be used like the, the Cardinals used him last season, he could still give you pretty solid production, whether it's you know, obviously we're not going to see him on, on every down or, or even close to maybe even half of them. But um, in the right role with the limited amount of snaps, uh, he could be productive yet again. So I, I think this is a low risk signing because I don't think you're going to have to sign him for much because, you know, we're already in the OTAs and training camp and, and um, you know, he still hasn't been signed. So I don't think he'll come pretty expensive. Yeah, and I think it could be a situation as well with Dwight Freeney. There's quite a few veteran players sitting on the market at the moment and you know, a lot of them, they're probably not too pushed about hitting into uh, OTAs, you know, coming up and not too pushed about getting to training camp. You could see a lot of these guys still not signed. And even Freeney, he may have this workout, but it might not be to week two or three of the season where he gets signed. And then when the, the veterans, you know, after week two, a lot of the stuff with the contract starts to switch up. So we'll see what happens and if he does link up with the Bengals for the season. Uh, next up, Tom Brady. Obviously, we all know what happened in Deflategate and it's still going on. I'm starting to wonder, is this ever going to end? I'm I, I'm about a year past uh, Deflategate, but again, Tom Brady has appealed the situation, and I know it's something that you want to talk about. So uh, will this ever end? 
Yeah, it, 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 you know, when we saw this the day after, um, or even the night right after the AFC Championship last year ended, yeah. um, you know, we see this report and we didn't think much of it now. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that it would have lasted almost a year and a half. Um, and this has just been a mess. I don't think, you know, obviously I'm a Patriots guy. I try to stay unbiased in this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I think it's ridiculous on all sides how long it's been drawn out. And, and really, uh, I, I would have, been happy if Tom Brady had negotiated it, if the NFL obviously allowed it or, or was willing to do it, negotiate maybe two games, that's it. I don't believe in the first-round pick being taken away, but there's nothing you can do about it now. But no. um, it, it's really – it's just this messy situation that everybody's going to argue about and it's going to take over the summer again until we get a final ruling where nobody can do anything about it. And they still could, even if if someone doesn't like the ruling. Unfortunately, in, in U.S. politics, you could take it to the Supreme Court if this doesn't work out. <laughs> So, you know, it's not over even if this ruling doesn't, you know, someone's upset with this ruling. This could go on for a lot longer than people think, and uh, it's just messy all the way around. And, and, and I think we all will praise the day it ends, but uh, that may not be for a while. Yeah, I agree. And I think even, as you mentioned, at this point, it probably just will go on. I think, uh, you know, with the situation, it's back to the four-game ban. It has been re-upheld. Uh, if it does go ahead for the season and we get head into uh, September, we have Tom Brady hitting that four-game suspension. What do you think of Brady's value this season? And then, of course, the rest of the uh, Patriots' offense and maybe even those uh, backup quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo. How do you see that shaking up uh, if Brady does miss those four games? So I actually spoke about this last night inside the Pylons podcast. Um, so I think if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, um, I think he could have some fantasy value. He still has a good amount of weapons around him. He's got Edelman. He's got Gronk. He's got Deion Lewis, hopefully. Martellus Bennett. Um, you know, a good amount of weapons. Um, I wouldn't say he's a, you know, a guy you could start every, you know, first four weeks. But yeah. uh, I think there's worser options out there uh, or more worse options uh, at the quarterback <laughs> position. Um but for the rest of the offense, I think, you know, when I was looking at this last night, one of the things that I noticed, the Patriots had a big need at uh, running back going yep. into this offseason, I thought, especially with the Garrett Blunt uh, going into his free agency and obviously Deion Lewis dealing with that ACL injury. Um, and all they do is re-sign, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Blunt and then they sign Donald Brown. Um, now, obviously, the Patriots are probably going to bring in more running backs as we get close to training camp. Uh, like they did last year, and that's how we found Deion Lewis. Um, but I think this is a really good sign for for Legarrette Blunt. I think he's locked into that number, uh, that two down role where yeah, goal linebacker. Like, yeah, so um, you know he's a power running back. I think he could be relied on more if Brady is out because uh, obviously you're going a big downgrade. No matter how good Garoppolo may be or his upside may be, you're never going to be Tom Brady. I don't think, and and, and uh, that's a big downgrade. So I think they might try and run the ball more. Um, but I, I'm not concerned about a guy like Gronk, who uh, I said this last night. I think the two biggest weapons for a backup quarterback who doesn't play much are tight ends and receiving running backs. Yeah. So I think Deion Lewis and uh, Gronk, who you can both just you know flip the ball off to or throw it over the middle of the field, uh, you know as your safety valves. I think both of them will be fine. Um, I'm a little more obviously concerned with Deion Lewis if he makes it back for Week One, uh, but every indication so far is he will. Um, but I don't expect much of a difference um, in terms of what the Patriots can do offensively. And, and I'm not saying that's because Garoppolo's anywhere near Brady. It's more so at the end of the last season, the Patriots had nobody. They had Edelman dealing with a foot injury. <laughs> Everyone was 
knee injury. They had Blunt on the IR with a uh, hip injury. Deion Lewis with a knee injury. And their offensive line, they lost their left tackle. They lost a guard. They just dealt with injuries everywhere. And still Brady was able to put up numbers. Yeah. So with all those weapons and maybe even a better offensive line, better tight end core, maybe some better wide receivers like we've seen, I think it could be somewhat close to that. Um, but I don't expect much of a drop-off, I don't think, for like the main players like Gronk and Edelman and, and Deion Lewis. The others, maybe, but um, I'd still be comfortable drafting those guys regardless of where Brady goes. Uh, and just to answer your question quickly, I still Brady's a top-10 quarterback. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, because here in New England, you know, when you make Tom Brady mad, he gets even better. <laughs> um, and I think he'll be out for that whole revenge season and, and blah, blah, blah. But um I still think he'd be, you know, if I'm going to draft Tom Brady, my strategy is to grab another quarterback quickly. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to need someone to fill in, obviously, those first four weeks and, and stuff like that. So, um, but no, I'd still draft Brady as a as a top 10 quarterback. Just make sure you get a really good backup quarterback as well. Yeah, and I think it goes back a little bit to the point you made earlier about Tyler Eifert. If you can get him for, uh, you know, miss two games of the season and get him for the rest it's the same with Brady it's the same with these wide receivers if you're missing Brady for the first four games you're still going to get you know three quarters of the season if high fantasy production as well so I think you're taking that little bit of a risk you don't want to start the season 0-1-4 but if you can you know build around the rest of your roster as you said take that other quarterback a little bit more swiftly um, you know it all works out for you in the end if you can get things to fall right um, at the start of the show I forgot to do the plug that we do for our sponsor so I'll just run through it now it is sportstraveltours.com it is sports travel for fans by fans and uh, thanks to them this upcoming 2016 season they have uh, agreed to give us uh, a special discount code to allow you 10% off their packages the code is OTA all you have to do is when you hit to the checkout with your package uh, just put in OTA and uh, in the promo code and you'll get that 10% off so <laughs> I forgot to do it at the start get it out of the way now so let's get on to our next topic it is uh, the Miami Dolphins we're talking about some of the off-season moves they made and what can they do this upcoming season obviously new uh, coach there we have um, Adam Gaze coming in and then with the situation with him teaming up with Ryan Tannehill they took Tunsil in the draft and uh, as well we'll talk about uh, Carew who came in you know to add a little bit of depth to that wide receiver core can uh, what will we expect this season from Devontae Parker so uh, I'll let you really uh, go and start it off and I'll try and come in with uh, any parts that I think that uh, you might have left out or tie things up the Miami Dolphins off-season moves what are you expecting in 2016 I think this time last year actually we were thinking the Miami Dolphins had a real chance at uh, upsetting the Patriots because we had the other Tom Brady suspension all the way back when it happened first and uh, we thought we were going to see the Dolphins come in and get a shot at the crown what do you think this season though for the Miami Dolphins uh, can they go go a little bit better than last year um yeah I don't think they can get much worse than what they did um last season horrible coaching yeah. uh horrible front office some right. of the moves uh, really head scratchers for me uh or at least one in particular Obviously, getting Tunsil at 13 is a pretty good pick. Yeah. I think if he stays out of trouble, you're getting yourself a future, you know, a generational tackle, uh, at least a talent uh, a tackle. Uh, obviously, he's going to play guard, it sounds like, to begin his career, but they need help along all their offensive lines. So I think wherever you put him is, is going to suit him well. But I really like the coaching move they made. I think getting Adam Gase is probably best case scenario, maybe second to Hugh Jackson. Um, but I believe, if I remember correctly, they were the ones who first uh, announced their head coaching before um, 
the Browns hired Hugh Jackson. So they had their choice and they yeah. uh, went with Adam Gase. So I think, you know, obviously we saw what he did with Jay Cutler last season, uh, really helped him improve. I'm not saying Tannehill is going to improve a ton, and I was on that bandwagon last offseason. Yeah, me too. With, I, I'm, I'm thinking him <laughs> is yeah, a top 10 quarterback potentially after finishing off the season strong in 2014 slash 2015. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but he I don't think there's an excuse now um, because they improved their offensive line. Uh, Devontae Parker should be healthy to start week one as opposed to being, you know, coming in at the end of the season and then dealing with another foot injury. Um, some of the things that, that are really curious, and you pointed on that, Leontay Carew, and I know we talked about this prior, they spent a third-round pick on another wide receiver when I thought their wide receiver core was pretty decent. Yeah. They had Jarvis Landry, who I think is the, arguably the best slot receiver in football. Uh, Devontae Parker, they spent a first-round pick on him last year, who I think has a really big future ahead of him. They also have Kenny Stills as their number three wide receiver, yeah. who, you know, he's a deep threat, but... There are worse are out there, but then they go and spend a third round pick to go and get Carew. If I'm not mistaken, they actually trade up to get him. Yep. Um so it'll be interesting to see because I think at best he'll be that number three receiver for them. And I think it's almost a waste of his talents if they don't use him properly because I think he's vastly underrated. Obviously he dealt with uh being out with the suspension, also being the focal point of uh, the Rutgers offense. Um so it'll be interesting to see, but obviously another good weapon for, for Tannehill, I think. Um the two other areas I'd point out, running back, and I know we touched on this last week. Obviously, they, they let go of Lamar Miller. They tried to get C.J. Anderson, and they didn't. Um, but in the end, they draft Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Drake in the third round, and it'll be interesting to see who wins that running back battle between Jay Ajazi, who was a fifth-round pick last year, and then Drake this year, who was a third-round pick. Uh, but I, I don't like this running back unit for them. I think both are unproven. Uh, obviously, Ajazi did, you know, looked very good in – a very limited role, but that's not saying that he can automatically do well in a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. The other thing is tight end. I think this could be the make or break thing for them this year. Can Jordan Cameron actually do well this year? Because he did horrible last year. Um, he did less I, than I guess, horrible. I think. Yeah, yeah, he did even worse than horrible last year, <laughs> especially compared to his Cleveland Brown days. Yeah. So, and I can't believe I'm saying that someone actually performed better on the Browns than another team, but it, it's true. So, um, it would be interesting to see. Uh, I guess if there's one uh, good thing to look at, when Martellus Bennett went down with an injury last year and Adam Geese was the offensive coordinator, Zach Miller stepped in and actually did a pretty good job, and now he's the starting tight end in Chicago. So I would say that's a glimmer of hope for him. Um, not saying that you know Jordan Cameron's all of a sudden going to turn into a top 10 or top 12 tight end, uh, but he's a name to watch out for because I don't think he can get much worse than he did uh, last year, and I think he could be featured more in the offense because he didn't really get a lot of targets and and uh, he was you know a guy being talked up, getting uh, maybe having a good shot with a better quarterback and better offense last season when he came to Miami, and then he flopped majorly. So uh, I think he could have a bounce back year, but that could be the that could be the X factor on this offense and whether or not their tight end can actually produce. Yeah, and we, you talked earlier about uh, you know with Garoppolo and how much he might look for to rely on somebody like Gronk as a tight end. Last year we thought that was the situation with Cameron going to Miami from the Browns, and you know we wore, last year our main concern with him was his concussion history. He has a lot of concussions when he was with the Browns, but he literally did pretty much nothing last year with the the Dolphins. Maybe he was just getting learning the scheme and so on, but the scheme is going to change again this year with Gase coming in. I think uh, it's going to be a big big year for Ryan Tannehill. You mentioned how he finished the season two years ago. During that season, I remember they played in London against the Oakland Raiders. There was a point in that where there was talk that he was actually going to get 
dropped as the quarterback and uh, they were looking to turn to Matt Moore that's how bad things were prior to that game and uh, he actually had a really big game against the Oakland Raiders and he had a, a nice finish to the season and everyone was on the hype train heading into last year so some good games in there last year but just very very inconsistent you know you always hope for the extra addition of some running yards in there rushing the ball and we've seen that bit of the read option with him so we'll see what he can do I, I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into the bounce back of Cameron but it'll be very very uh, nice to see it and you know you always see some tight end come out uh, from under the radar again the other one is the running back situation they pretty much looked at every running back that was available in the NFL this year they have also looked at Foster and uh, you know so you can tell there's not a lot of confidence in there in the backfield as you mentioned uh, has a lot of talent but the, the knee injury as well would have you very very concerned as to how he'll hold up on a you know as a workhorse back in the NFL Carew versus Parker's an interesting one as you mentioned you know I've, I've heard in a couple of different shows uh, this offseason people pro- talking up the possibility that Carew could overtake Parker as you know uh, they're starting outside wide receiver have you thought about that at all I can't see it happening because of the first round pick spent last year over the third round pick this year but they have definitely given Ryan Tannehill all the uh, options as wide receiver and they went after the tight end free agency last year so excuse time's over but uh, Parker versus Carew do you think they're fighting for one position or do you think you know we'll see them uh, work together uh, on the field no no I, I don't think there's any competition Parker I think if anything it's a buy last year yeah. he had that foot injury uh, I also think he's vastly more talented yeah. um, I think if he didn't have that foot injury he could have been uh, picked before Kevin White now that's saying a lot but also Kevin White also dealt with a foot injury as well um, no no I think Parker showed enough that there's no question. I think he's that number two option in this offense for them. Yeah. I think Jarvis Landry's still the number one guy. I think he had over 100 receptions last year, just under it. Um, but no, I don't. I think if anything, maybe they'll run more three wide receiver sets. I think they were doing that more in Chicago when Gase came over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's a, it's going to be a decent way to to um, utilize their their wide receiver talent because then you if you have Kenny Stills as your number four wide receiver. I see that your depth is pretty good because I'm not saying Kenny Stills is a starter or anything like that, but I think he's underrated, but obviously never given much of an opportunity when he was in New Orleans and, yeah. and then in Miami. But this isn't about um, Kenny Stills. This is more so, I, I don't think there's any competition uh, between Leonte, I'm sorry, Leonte Carew and uh, Devontae Parker. I think Parker will be that number two guy for them, and I think he could be looking at a breakout year in his sophomore season. Yeah, you know, you're getting him back to have the whole season, whole off season, hopefully, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be nice to have an offense that, for once that we're excited about that actually delivers when it comes to a fantasy season. Usually, whoever we're excited about in the off season plummets to uh, the depths of despair during the year. You mentioned Kenny Stills too. A lot of people were very, very high on him this time last year when he came over from the New Orleans Saints. So we'll see what he can produce this year as well. Next up, uh, some injury news just to go through. Um, Byron Bell. Uh, with the Titans offensive line we were talking I think we talked last week's show about you know some of the improvements they had made in the draft and throughout the offseason on the offensive line he dislocated his ankle he's out for the 2016 season so uh, the Titans O-line takes a hit and you know DeMarco Murray's gone there they've invested in Henry as well at the running back position and then obviously trying to protect Marcus Mariota so we'll see how that affects them the other one is uh, down with the Jaguars. I think the, the Jaguars at this stage might actually be coming a bit of a, a cursed team last year, losing Fowler, their number uh, first round pick, uh, very, very early in it now. Jalen Ramsey with a meniscus surgery. He's expected back for OTAs. And then another defensive player, Jonathan Woodyard, uh, Achilles surgery. He's out for the year. They just drafted him 
this year as well. So the the Jags having a bit of bad luck. Do you think uh, they can make up for the bad luck on the defensive side of the ball with uh, some good luck on the offensive side of the ball this year? Yeah, I mean, so so I, I mean, when you when you look at it, um, they've had three rookies in the past uh, two seasons. Yeah. Who now, obviously, both of their first round picks yeah. um, with uh, with uh, Dante Fowler and, and Jalen Ramsey. Um, and then you have Jonathan Townsend, seventh round pick. I think it just speaks more to the matter of what the hell is going on in Jacksonville. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think if there's a silver lining, Ramsey had the surgery already. Yep. It, I guess the team has already announced he is expected to be there for um, for training camp, which is a good sign because if you have a projection right now training camp, that means even if it's a little bit delayed, um, then he could still be ready for the preseason. Um but, you know, you obviously don't want to rush him back, especially when you have a chance to have him fully ready by the uh, beginning of the regular season. Uh, Dante Fowler being back, obviously they went out and um, I, I, uh, I can't remember his name, but the the uh, the, the de- defensive end from uh, Denver, uh, Malik Jackson. Uh, Malik Jackson, yeah. Uh, they went, yeah, they went out and got Malik Jackson. They obviously got Miles Jack as well, who could be a steal. Um, so I like this defense, and they also signed um, – Prince of Mukamara as well, yep. who I think could be. I think they're even talking to him as a slot cornerback, and that's how deep their their uh, their cornerback position might be. Then they also have Telvin Smith, who just seems to be heading towards you know only going up from here. Um, so I really like this defense, but I think their their offense um, still have some concerns about their offensive line. I don't think it's as sturdy yet as it could be. Uh, they have two talented running backs in TJ Yeldon and, and Chris Ivory, who I think, uh, if anything, will provide them with not only, you know, one guy, but two guys now who can run the ball really well. Then you have the, you know, the, the awesome uh, Allens at, at uh, wide receiver <laughs> with Tom Robinson and Allen Hearn. I just yeah. came up with that, I promise. The Allen, um, the Allen brothers. Yeah, the <laughs> Allen brothers. So, um, obviously got that Julius Thomas, uh, you know, not saying I'm high on him, but he's, there are worse options. I think he's actually a top, top half of the league in terms of a tight end option. So, uh, and they obviously, uh, you know, a lot of it will depend on can Blake Boyles put up another season, uh, like he did in 2015. I don't see, I, I, with, if you look I at just, season, yeah. well, let me, let me rephrase. So just based off this off season, which has been nothing but positive, I think they haven't suffered any major losses and they've only improved their team. It's hard for me right now to say that, but you never know because he has been inconsistent um, I think he still throws for a lot of uh, interceptions. So it'll be interesting. But I think, you know, you have the right weapons. You have an improving defense. And I said this uh, I said this a couple times now, but don't be surprised if the Jaguars finish uh, 2016 as the AFC South champions. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, too far-fetched. But when you mentioned Bartles, I think that, I think that this he could be the reason that this team doesn't win the division. I think last year, when you look back, there was a lot, a lot of mistakes that he got. T- like I think they would have had a se- severely better record last year without the mistakes that he had uh, multiple times in many, many games. But again, maybe he takes a big step forward this year, cleans up those mistakes, and uh, has a big, big season. A lot of those points, you know, if you're looking fantasy wise, a lot of points in garbage time last season as well. When we're talking about quarterbacks. Um, we got a question on Twitter, and I do want to make a shout out on t- for people. A lot of people favoriting, a lot of people retweeting. Get those que- when we look for tweets, you know, for uh, for questions to be sent into the show. Don't be afraid to send us in those questions as well. But we did get a couple of questions in, and just uh, to make sure we use one of them when we ask for them. 
question and, and it's for quarterback twos uh, that you know we expect to be ranked quarterback two or lower that could be quarterback ones in 2016 is there anybody kind of in that you know 15 to 20 range or 15 to 25 range quarterbacks maybe you could see jumping up this year obviously we had Kurt Cousins last year who ended up having a very very strong season maybe one of those guys under the radar that pushed themselves up a little bit higher yeah so I'm not sure like what the actual rankings are right now yeah. in terms of who's where right now. I think it's still pretty early to see. Um, but if I had to point out a couple guys, um, I'm looking right here. Philip Rivers, uh, according to Mike Clay, who writes for ESPN, yeah. uh, has Philip Rivers as number 12 quarterback. Yeah. I think that's way too low for him. And the reason for that is he's got so much ahead of him. Uh, and obviously, they don't have the running game to support it. Um, assuming, again, Melvin Gordon doesn't live up to the hype, which we talked about extensively yeah. last week. Yeah. I don't think he will. Um but he still has Keenan Allen. He still has uh, newly signed Travis Benjamin, who did really well in Cleveland last yeah. year. Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson. Yeah. Stevie Johnson is their number three. Donnie still isn't Tony Gates. Um, they, they drafted Hunter Henry, yeah. and they got Danny Woodhead. He's got a plethora of, of uh, talent, yeah. and they actually made some good improvements uh, to their offensive line. So I could really see him having a better season. Um, just looking here, Blake Boyles is ranked 16th. Derek Carr, 17th. I think he could have a, a better season than that. Obviously, I think he finished like in the top 12 yep. uh, as a quarterback one. Um, they improved their offensive line. They, they kept their two top wide receivers. Um, and they improved their defense as well, obviously. So um, I'm just looking here. Jameis Winston, I think, is way too low at 22. I think he, he could be in line for a good season. Um, they, you know, I think he showed well at the end of the season. Uh, he obviously has Mike Evans, who I think will have a bounce back year. Austin Severian Jenkins, who, you know, I think he could take a leap beyond one game he had last year uh, and actually do well consistently. Yeah, the injury really slowed him down last year. Yeah, I think Charles Sims is used exclusively in the, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the pass game. And they improved their defense. Uh, and I think the number one thing to help is improve the defense. doesn't put as much pressure on the offense. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Only other guy I would probably mention – Maybe Eli's ranked a little too low. Uh, he's 14th, and the reasoning behind that, obviously he has Odell Beckham. Um, but the other thing is he has Sterling Shepard now, and I love Sterling Shepard. Everybody <laughs> say that. I love where he is. I love this. Shepard's situation. on the rooftop. Yeah, I, I love this situation for him. I love where, you know, he's he's in New York where he could be that number two receiver right away. Um, they also have Will Ty, who I think did really well in the receiving game. And even though they have an unstable running game because they have, I think, 20 running backs right now yeah. um you know shane vereen rashad jennings even paul perkins all showed that they can they catch the ball well um so there's that they improved their their defense which could help as well um but those are a couple guys i'd point out maybe marcus mariota yeah i was gonna, you kind of stole a few of my guys but uh i was going to mention marcus mariota uh, drafting in Dynasty in the Superflex League. Uh, I actually took him as my first quarterback in the OTI 2 League, and we're going to run out of time talking about it today, but the leagues will all be drafted by next week, so we'll do a little bit of a recap there. But I took Marcus Mariota very, very early on that one, and he's somebody, you know, I talked about that O-line uh, issue there with Byron Bell and the Titans, and it was mainly came to my concern because of uh, Marcus Mariota. I think you're going to get rush yards from him. I think he's going to step forward this season. I think he showed a lot of good play last year on tape I think you know Dariel Green Beckham's going to have a step forward year I think and I just like uh, some of the the moves they've made this season uh, Richard Matthews uh, from the Dolphins as well moved down there so we'll see how 
they go but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Marcus Mariota and what he does and if you're looking at somebody that's really really way down the list and probably off most people's radars and we talked about the situation a little bit last week you know if you're looking at Denver and uh, obviously you're looking at Mark Sanchez I think there is still that chance that uh, Paxton Lynch could possibly win that job quite early in the season and he's somebody who's not even in the top 30 quarterbacks at the moment and I could see him maybe sneaking up into the top 20 I don't think he's going to be somebody that we're going to have in the, the quarterback one tier by any stretch of the imagination but I could see him going in there as a, a streaming option uh, another one Jay Cutler he had a step forward last year under Adam Gase he's losing him this year but you know he, he is gaining a, and a very good very good wide receiver who we haven't seen in the NFL yet unfortunately and that is Kevin White so we'll see if that can help him move him up but uh, there's a lot of guys in this list that are in that wide re- or quarterback two tier and I really I could see them going into the quarterback three or four before they get into that quarterback one tier but uh, it's going to be interesting you always have to you know people saying you know leave quarterback to late but when you look through it once you get to that 15 mark there's not a lot of guaranteed success so one guy yeah. i'd point out and uh this is obviously i think mostly due to his situation ryan Fitzpatrick is is ranked 33rd right now and i i actually want to look this up but i think last season he finished i think in the top 15 for quarterbacks now I, i'm all assuming that ryan fitzpatrick uh, gets re-signed by the Jets, um, you know, before the season starts. Their quarterback situation is a mess. Um, so I, I really think that they'll come to some sort of conclusion before um, we even see the preseason happen. Yep. But if he does, he actually improve, He actually goes to a team, I think, that actually improved offensively. And the reason I say that is because they went out, they got Matt Forte, they signed Bilal Powell, they also got, um, um, oh, God, uh, Kyrie Robinson yeah, from, from the Wallets. Yeah. who I think is underrated, just dealt with some injuries. Um, and then they also get Devin Smith back, who I think could be a number, uh, a really good deep threat for them, especially when you have Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall taking pressure off. They keep their same coaching staff with uh, Chan Gailey and Todd Bowles. Um, they might have even, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily got worse at offensive line um, or got better, but I think they're right there where they were. Yeah. And I think he still played well with, with uh, what he did. Um they get Jason Morrow back as well, which I know he's still very young, but it's a big year for him if he wants to uh, yeah, make a mark as a tight definitely. end. Uh, yeah, they, I think they were dead last in tight end production yeah. last year. So, zero. Basically uh, zero. Can't get, can't get much worse, so I think that could be a thing. But obviously I think he's ranked that low just because he's still a free agent technically. Yeah. I think it's all but assumed he will be back with the team because I, I don't see them going into the regular season with Geno Smith or Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty there. Um Excuse me, and I also don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is willing to sit out a year just because, um, or, or waste the opportunity to go back to the Jets just because he wants a little bit more money. So um, I definitely could see him. If you're drafting now and you see that ranking, I would, you know, take it lightly. And I think that's mostly just because of his situation. But I think he, I think he'll be back in New York before the regular season starts. Yeah, I think he will be too. And uh, some of the conversation I've heard with him, uh, he had an interview. With- in a golf competition or something over the last couple of days and he was saying that he expects to be back playing the NFL this season he expects it to be with the Jets so he seems fairly confident but I think you know the longer he leaves it the, the possibility that he, he mightn't uh, get all the way back to the New York Jets and just when you mentioned Geno Smith I think uh, a lot of people give Geno a very hard time I think if you remember back to the last uh, couple of times we've seen him in the NFL he didn't do as bad a job as a lot of us uh, usually uh, give <laughs> give him that credit of being uh, absolutely terrible and I, I actually prior to last season had some high hopes for him but we'll see uh, what happens there I think maybe quietly the Jets 
aren't as concerned about the quarterback situation as some of us might think. That there question uh, came in from Ryan Kearness at Ryan underscore fan loud. So thanks them for the question. Uh, hopefully we'll get more questions coming in. And even if it isn't the day that we're looking for them for the podcast, send them our way. You can send them to at Overtime Ireland. You can send them to at Doug Moore or at D Moore NFL rather. And you can send them to Overtime Ireland at gmail.com as well. Uh, really and truly, that's probably going to do us true. Uh, obviously, Doug, um, lots of stuff going on with you writing-wise, fantasy-wise. You mentioned you were on the Inside the Pylon podcast this week. Uh, anything you want to give a, a plug for in particular while we uh, finish up? Yeah, so I actually just finished writing today uh, an article for, for uh, Gridiron Experts, a really great site, part of the uh, USA Today media group. Yep. Um, talked about Ezekiel Elliott's outlook for uh, 2016. And I crunched some numbers a little bit earlier, and I actually went a little bit in depth. So I actually did some work. Um, <laughs> and looking at it, um, I think he could have a really, really good season. I think it's better than some people could imagine. Um, where I had him projected, based off the points I had from you know last year, he would have finished in the top three okay. for standard uh, scoring for running backs and the top four for PPR. So I think he's definitely uh, – I don't want to say a lot because, you know – we. <laughs> I think it, there's a very good chance, if I have to, to, to be politically correct, that <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott could finish as a top five running back in fantasy football this year. I think um, he's going to improve upon what Darren McFadden did in 26, uh, 2015. And he also did, he did very well. There's no doubt in that. Uh, but the also thing to keep in mind, Darren McFadden didn't get more than 10 touches or 10 uh, rushing attempts in a game until week seven after Joseph Randall was released. Yeah. Um, so imagine Ezekiel Elliott for a whole season um, with Tony Romo and Des Bryant actually healthy as opposed to Kellen Moore, Brandon Whedon, and, and Cole Beasley as your top guys at the respective yeah. positions. So uh, I really love what he could do in 2016 and beyond. So um, don't doubt him. It should be up later this week, I think. Uh, I literally just finished it today, and, and then I'll have to go back. Obviously, the editing team, that's great over there. Um, they'll have to go back and basically change every word because I don't know how to write it. Um, so so uh, definitely look out for that. I am playing on also writing something this week uh, for Inside the Pylon. I did touch on this last night with them. Who I think will be the top rookies in 2016 for fantasy? Uh, and a spoiler alert, Ezekiel Elliott will be my number one guy. So, um, I don't think that's much of a spoiler. No, but uh, check out those things. I think those are the major things coming up, and obviously Overtime Ireland, but I, I, I think it's kind of uh, silly to be plugging our show on our show. But, um, <laughs> we'll take all the help we can get. Yeah, yeah. So um, in case you weren't sure, be sure to check out Overtime Island. Um, but uh, yeah, no, those are the things I, I'd probably plug this week shamelessly. So Yeah, and just a quick question when you're on, you're talking about uh, doing some in-depth work on Ezekiel Elliott. You're looking at the running backs now. Um Without a shadow of a doubt, would you be taking him in the the top ten picks of the first round of uh, redraft this year? Um, that's a difficult question because the article I wrote before was actually why you should take a wide receiver in the first round <laughs> of redraft leagues instead of a running back. Yeah. Um. So it's difficult to say he's a lock for a top ten. I think you might have to spend a top ten pick on him in most cases just to get him because I think people are going to be really, really in love with him, and they yeah. rightfully should be. It's only going to get higher as well. It's only from this yeah, point I, forward. It's, it's going to get bigger un, unless there's an injury or something like that, which God forbid happens. Um, yeah, I, I don't see anything but him. His stock. I, I'm sure there are going to be people that draft him as the number one running back in fantasy. Uh, just because they they want to make sure they get him and they just believe the world in him and someone's going to bet their life savings on him doing well and, and, and stuff like that. So 
Um, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna want him, you're gonna have to spend a top ten pick on him. I'm not so sure. I love him, but I'm not sure I'm willing to risk that. Uh, I'd rather grab a uh, a Julio Jones oh, or yeah. or um, you know an Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown won't be there at ten, but um, I'd rather draft a, a surefire wide receiver who are more consistent. Yeah, without um, going too much in depth, yeah. uh, just because uh, most of the running backs last year didn't actually perform well. Jamal Charles, Eddie Lacy, C.J. Anderson, um, Le- Le'Veon Bell, Marshawn Lynch. Foster, <laughs> or Sean Lynch. So it's a very volatile position in general. I love running backs. And obviously, I think wide receivers are more, uh, the, the position is more deep. Yep. But uh, I'd still rather grab a uh, wide receiver in the first round, unless a guy like Ezekiel Elliott falls to me at the end of the first round. Sure, I'll grab him, no problem. Yep. But you're probably going to have to spend maybe a top eight, top six pick on him just because I think people are going to go bat shit over him. Yep. Oh, I swore. No, it's, um, <laughs> uh, we have the explicit tag anyway, so. Oh, nice. All right. So, um, drop F bomb, drop F bomb. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, I think to most people, he'll be worth a top 10 pick. Um, I'm not so sure I would spend one on him if there's a stud wide receiver there who's consistent. So, uh, that's just me, but, uh, very, very good chance. He does extremely well finishes in the top five for running backs in 2016, regardless of the scoring state, uh, scoring setup. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, when you go, I like to go wide receiver early as well. And, um, it is one of those situations, you know, if you love the guy, he's, people are going to take him. I guarantee there'll be drafts where he goes first overall, and you're going to see that throughout the season. There'll be drafts then where maybe depending uh, on who's in your draft as well, uh, he'll fall a little bit later. But I, I can't see him uh, falling outside of that, uh, you know, top 10 in too many leagues. It's going to be interesting as we continue to break it down as we head to the NFL season, through the off season. Hopefully this year we won't have too many injuries. Basically from this point forward last year, uh, the offensive side of the ball got pretty much devastated by injuries. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland. You can get in touch with Doug. It's Demur NFL. And uh, as always, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, during the week, last week, actually, we give away two Overtime Ireland t-shirts, and I'll be giving away two more this coming week. So uh, do be sure and follow that Twitter handle. Uh, keep spreading the word of Overtime Ireland for a chance to win those, and uh, give us a, a comment and a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the ways you can listen to the show. But until uh, we're back with another show next week, and hopefully next week I think we're going to go back to having a guest on. There's a lot of guys, actually, we're building up a list. Uh, it's going to be hard to get them all on uh, in a swift manner, but uh, looking forward to getting a lot of different guys back on the show. So uh, until then, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.